Hello and welcome to the Future Tribe podcast. Each week we'll be talking about getting things done. We'll talk to people who've built up their businesses, pulled off amazing projects and cover everything from psychology and strategy to the tips and tricks that will help make your dream a reality. We're the podcast that's all about empowering the optimists and the go-getters. I'm your host, Jermaine Muller. You're listening to the Future Tribe podcast and this episode is just getting started. Welcome to another episode of Future Tribe. Today, we've got Kevin Douglas Wright with us um, all the way from the US. Um, how are you today, Kevin? Pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, just hanging out down here in, well, up here in South Florida in the United nice. States. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So tell me a bit about what you do. Um, I'm a, an independent filmmaker. Um, and usually just to be, to make it easy, um, I'm outside of the Hollywood studio system. So I'm just totally independent. Um, uh, I've been to Hollywood, California before, but I don't work out there. Um, Mm. So I do all of my stuff in the state of Florida. Um, uh, So I produce, write and direct. And so far I've done two films, two, two, two films. Mm. And where can we find your films just to get an Um, idea of sort of the the, extent? The main one that I'm uh, promoting right now is available on Amazon.com. And the name of the film is uh, I Learned It From You. And it's mm-hmm. a, documentary. a documentary. Okay. So, um, I mean, first question I can think of is how did you get on Amazon.com? Is it is it a lot of sort of work? Is it fairly easy? It's, I think some luck must play a part because... I, I belong to a lot of different Facebook groups and mm. you'll see that some people have issues trying to get on there. Sometimes there's major delays. I experienced probably a slight delay, maybe a few weeks. And since that was my first film that I was trying to get on there and that I was, I was new at submitting it to something like, uh, something like amazon.com, I didn't know how long it was supposed to take or so I didn't really know that the few, the two weeks or three weeks that I waited, I didn't know if that was customary, if that Mm. was long, if that was fast. So I, I didn't get angry or anything. I just was patiently waiting. And I would say it's, it's probably easy, but I have seen postings where people have experienced either technical difficulties, Mm. whether it was on their end, or they couldn't figure out whose end it was on. Um, and it took them maybe a month or two months. Right. Or like that. So yeah, when you so. say amazon.com, is that Amazon prime the video service or is it more like a digital download that you can purchase? Um, it's actually the way mine is it's both. So you can actually stream it and watch mm-hmm. it online. Um, you can also purchase it online and watch it online. You can download it online. Um, I did put it in the form of a DVD so you can actually purchase the DVD from amazon.com also. So you can either stream it or you can rent it. Um, But if let's say, for instance, I'm not sure if they do it the same in Australia, but Mm -hmm. um, they have Amazon prime. If you belong to Amazon prime, uh, my particular documentary, you can watch for free. It's included with, uh, with with Amazon prime. And let's say you, let's say you do not have Amazon prime, then you would just either rent it. And I believe it's in us dollars. It's either, uh, $2 and 99 cents or $3 and 99 cents. And so talk me back to, so how did you, how did you get on this journey? Were you always planning to be a, uh, 
yep. a movie producer, film producer, mm-hmm. or is this something that sort of happened um, unexpectedly out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. Talk me through it. Um, I trace it back all the way to when I was little. I always just loved movies, which everyone loves movies. Um, but I always wanted to try to make a movie. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed was, you know, as I was growing up, going through college, that most of the ways to break into the business, you had to go to Hollywood. And, you know, just just by the nature of the jobs that I had and the career direction I was currently in at that time, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty hard to just stop everything and move to California. So I always just kept my eyes open just to see if something would change. And actually what allowed me to get into the into the business or the industry was just the way technology changed. Once right. technology changed, then I kept seeing where, wow, you can do a lot more stuff, you know, on your own that you really don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest change was when digital came out, when digital really, really, where you really started seeing that you could actually make a movie and put it into movie theaters in digital form. That really changed changed everything because it made it more accessible for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, is it you by yourself, or is it a team? Um, and do you do this full time, or is it is it sort of a side hustle at the moment? Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm transitioning transitioning to make it full time. So, I would mm-hmm. say right now it's probably sixty forty, where I'm on my way to making it full time. Um, in terms of teams, when I did the first film. Like I said, that started off as a student project when I was in film school. And that consisted of myself and a few students. And then once I got out of film school, I just continued that project on my own and just extended it to be a a more of a feature length, feature length movie. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening was the technology changed again where I could see that I could do a lot more. So I said, well, I'll keep my eyes open for another idea while I'm still editing um, my first student film. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I came up with the idea with the, uh, with the documentary. And then um, with the documentary, I just, it, it was just an idea that came about because it was just like a family gathering and I was talking to my parents and I had just asked them a question that I had never just I had never asked them before. And then I could tell by the way that they were answering that they had never been asked that question before. So then I started thinking and I said to myself, wow, I said, you know, I I wonder how many other people um, have those kinds of stories, like when they answer that particular question. And from that moment on, it was just like. I got to do this as a documentary. And then I just went from there and then it just snowballed and it just kept going, 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 going. And a lot of stuff I didn't even know in advance what I was going to do with it after I got it done. Or even, I didn't even know who was going to be in the documentary. Mm -hmm. Just everything, the way it unfolded, it just, I can't explain it. It just it just, just happened. Came out. Yeah. It just, it just really, just really rolled out together. And what do you you credit that to? Do do you, do you think you did the the groundwork, the foundational work that got you these opportunities that seemed like it just sort of happened and rolled into it? But right. in reality, did you sort of, whether intentionally or unintentionally, just, you know, turn up and show up and have a, a, and unintentionally lay down the groundwork, so to speak? Or 
or is it just, you know, you weren't trying and it was just sheer luck that it just sort of fell on you? I would say that a lot of stuff that I did beforehand really helped me do the documentary smoothly. So, mm. um, this is the second documentary. It, yeah. The second, yeah. The second film. Yes. The yeah, documentary. Film. Um, if, if I didn't do the first student film and I didn't go to film school, um, it probably would have been a lot harder. Mm. Uh, if I didn't, you know, make a lot of mistakes making that first film, um, it would have been a lot harder. Um, let's see, uh, some of the other little things that helped me, uh, just using Facebook to, to do postings, to try to find people that wanted, that I wanted to see if they wanted to be in the documentary. Mm, to sort of network. Even, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, and I was never really that big into Facebook before, but just because I started to just investigate it as like a, like an advertising type of medium. Yeah. So when the time came that I did the, you know, when I decided to do the documentary and, and I wanted to find some more people and I wanted to find people that I didn't know at all, mm-hmm. um, the Facebook skills came into, into play and that did make it easier. So I would have to say it, it, it was, it, there were a lot of things that I did before that I didn't know were really going to help me out when it came time to came time for that. Came time idea for it. So yeah. place it on a calendar for me. So when did you, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? How old am I? Uh, yeah. 49, 49. Okay. Just turned 49. So you don't look at just, just putting it. Yeah, out no, there. yeah. I get that. I get you that. Don't look all... even close to it. Yeah. No, <laughs> when most people ask me, they're expecting, 30 yeah 30 30, sort of max yep so if anyone anyone listen to the podcast you won't see uh kevin and how young he looks but uh hop on the youtube channel and you can see (laughs) see what i'm sort of i I was startled i I was sort of expecting 30s maybe but not much older than that so 49 um, you've done very well but so give me sort of an idea so you it it sounds like you went back to film school uh, or went to film school um at let's say a more mature age. Is that fair to Correct. say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how was that experience like? Like what, what was, did it take a lot of work to get into? Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to address here is that I feel like there are people who use age as a reason not to do things or a reason right. as, a, mm-hmm. as a barrier. Um, did you have that as, I mean, before you went and did it, did you have that sort of in the back of your mind that you, you chances are going to be, some you know older um Mm -hmm. and and those challenges uh, associated with it was that something that you sort of thought through it never actually really crossed my mind i just knew that i always wanted to try to do film and Mm. i'm trying to think how old i was when i went to film school i was probably it's probably but probably about a good five years ago maybe four or Mm. five years ago that i Mm. went to film school uh Maybe maybe three or four years. I, I should say three or four years. Three or four years ago, um, and my age, I it did, I didn't think anything anything of it. You didn't think anything uh, of it. No, I didn't think because I'm I, I think mostly because I'm always just trying to learn things and figure stuff out and tinker mm-hmm. with things. So it I it, I didn't think like oh I might be a little bit too old to learn this or anything mm-hmm. like that. I didn't I didn't think. Anything like that. So did you sort of invest directly into the equipment or did you sort of start off slowly? Cause I know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've, you know, we've got cameras and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, 
it's it's very easy to be sucked into you know spending oh. a lot more money because yeah. you know everything's <laughs> yeah. better and be, the bigger and the more money you spend it mm-hmm. just becomes you know seems like it's just what something you need something that's going to hold you back um would, did you take that leap and buy a whole bunch of equipment or would you say that you know do we need that equipment to get get the ball rolling or is it more important to sort of you know, just do make do with what you have to start off with. Um, when I started film school, the technology still wasn't where it is right now. So it's 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 way easier now. When mm. I first got into film school, as I was in fi- film school, lasted a little bit less than a year, and this was mm. a, a unique film school. And this is the crazy part: that film school doesn't exist anymore. Right. They were per- they were purchased by another bigger school, and then they moved that school to California, and then from there they moved right. the school to the Philippines, and so okay. now that that particular film school doesn't exist anymore. But mm. the way that they did it, you were allowed to use all of their equipment. So they, I didn't need mm. any equipment. So mm. I just would sign out the equipment, and I'm. I guess they were just trusting everyone that you know you weren't going to break it or anything. And mm. No one did. You know, and so when you when it came time to do your project, you had pretty much, you know, state of the art movie mm-hmm. equipment, everything that you would really use on a real uh, Hollywood set or whatever. And yeah. um, when it came time to edit your movie, uh, they had a whole room like an editing room and they had the big computers there, the desktop computers and everything was real expensive. So you the only place to edit was at the school. Right. Just as I finished school, that's when the technology changed and Apple came out with a lower-priced editing uh, mm. software that could run on, you know, a laptop. Mm. And when that changed, that made it way, way easier. Before yeah. that, I would have been stuck. I wouldn't have been able to do the, um, be, been able to do the editing. Mm. Talk, talk to me about some of the, um, you know, we've talked about the good stuff, the positive stuff, so to speak. Talk to me about some of the the challenges that you've faced and the, the mistakes that you made that, you know, for anyone listening, you would sort of um, advise them not to or maybe look out for any sort of mm-hmm. um, things that you, you would have done that you, yeah. you would, you know, change, you would like to, be, to have known mm-hmm. in advance. Um, I would say, let's say someone was going to try to make a film. I would say that the the biggest mistake would be number one is purchasing a tremendous amount of equipment equipment Mm -hmm. unless you have the budget to do that you know if you have the budget to do do that and you're not going to miss that money then fine but there were a lot of uh people in the film in my film class that did spend a lot of money on the equipment but i guess they had the money to do it Mm -hmm. and they after film school if they didn't move to California, it was kind of tough because they didn't really have opportunities to use the equipment. So a lot of them tried to sell it or get rid of it. But if you're going to do it, I would say just probably use stuff that you have on hand, which a lot of people have iPhones or it doesn't yeah. even have to be an iPhone. You can, yeah. you can film a lot of stuff just using your the normal with the, yeah, with the basic phone. Yeah. The, yeah. The smartphone and yeah. just make sure it's set to HD. And yeah. It. HD. What, what are the other things to look out for when they're, uh, I guess I'm thinking now I'm very big about content marketing and content creation. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking out to, um, 
clients and people and friends who I've met who, you know, I hear the challenge all the time saying it's easy for you to say to make a video because yeah. you've got the DSLR and, you know, you've <laughs> got the sound, um, the, the yeah. microphones and the lighting and all that. But if we if we were to strip it back and let's say I, I took my phone out and I was going to uh, make a video, what, what are some quick tips that I should look out for? Um, I would say number one is to scale everything down. So in other words, what I mean by that is, let's say you're gonna film a commercial or a video or, or, a, or a movie, mm. the fewer characters, the better. The, mm. the less people involved, the better, because as you add more people, whether they're gonna be on screen or helping, it makes everything a lot more difficult because if you're going to film something more than one day, you have to look at everyone's schedules. Now it's more, it's more of a scheduling thing. Mm -hmm. And just that scheduling and trying to make sure everyone shows up, depending upon if they're being paid, you know, market rate or below market rate or something like that, that's where I see a lot of problems come up. So mm -hmm. you just really have to have a handle on how many people are going to be involved. If you can do a lot of the stuff yourself, which most, which I would say you really could do a lot of the stuff just single-handedly with, with a camera. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to something like lighting, um, it's really easy to learn lighting by just looking at a few YouTube videos and you can just use regular, just lights that are already on hand and then mm -hmm. just position the person near a window. Or if you're going to be outside, you know where the sun is. Um, so you would, you know, you would, you would, um, have them facing a certain way so that the sun is catching them a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would eliminate that real big need for lighting, someone to move the lights, finding some place to plug in the lights, because depending upon how many lights you have and you're plugging them into power sources, you could drink, you know, you could cause like a fuse to burst or something yes. like that. Yeah. So you could eliminate lighting by just using natural light and the lights that are in the room. Um, you, nowadays, you can get away with the microphone because now I'll say it this way. Yes, there are very, there are better, higher quality ways to get sound. But mm -hmm. if you're on a, on a tighter, smaller budget, you know, you could use someone's cell phone and then mm -hmm. you could you can stick the little microphone in through their clothes and it could go up and be close nearby and you can get pretty good sound. Now, obviously, like I said, now if you're using real sound equipment, it would be higher quality, but yeah, a lot a of the story. stuff, yeah, a lot of the cell phones and depending upon what you plug into it are pretty good. And mm. when you get it into editing, you could, you could clean most up of the edit, Yeah. You can clean it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, you can, so there's lighting and sound that you can really, you know, fudge a little bit and get around. Mm -hmm. And and if you keep the the amount of people involved smaller, you can really you can really you can really do it. And, and the that's only other big thing, thing, sorry, I, I was just going to add one more thing. Um, if you plan it out, like what you're going to do, some people just like to fly by the seat of their pants, yes. which. You can do if it's if it's a music video or something like that because that's not really something that has to be structured. Yes, but but anything else, I always write out and plan out what what you know what I'm going to do, what yeah. I'm trying to say, and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Future Drive podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to helping us. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, email us at hello at f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i dot b-e. If you haven't already, become a part of the tribe on Facebook. Go to f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i dot b-e slash f-b and invite your friends. We're just getting started and we would love to see you there. That's it from us. I hope this episode has empowered you to keep working on bettering your future. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the tribe. See you next time.